Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is February the 29th, 2024. It has been 3,685 days since Russia started covert military operations in Crimea. Ten years and nine days since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war. And two years and six days since Russia expanded its war of aggression. Today's podcast looks at events that happened on Wednesday and Thursday morning. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. A link is in the podcast description. There are minor updates today. The Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. We maintain there is a very high risk of a large-scale missile attack targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure within the next 24 hours, due to an increase in Russian ISR activity in multiple regions of Ukraine. 2. Russian-aligned assets have co-opted the ongoing Polish border blockade, which has become an open act of hybrid warfare against Ukraine. 3. The United States has ended financial and military aid to Ukraine, unless there is an unforeseen event that changes congressional leadership before the 2024 elections. 4. We maintain that Ukraine's acute shortage of ammunition and air defense missiles will become catastrophic by April and see no viable path to stabilize the situation. 5. Due to necessity, Ukraine has shifted to a Fabian strategy to wear down Russian combat power while conserving resources. 6. It is extremely unlikely that Russia will achieve its main operational goal of capturing the remaining areas of the Luhansk and Donetsk oblasts and the areas east of the Skil River in northern Kharkiv Oblast by March the 17th. 7. The Kremlin is preparing to complete the transformation of the governmental structure into a dictatorship, culminating up to the results of the sham presidential elections are released. 8. The ending of USAID for Ukraine is motivating at least five European nations to consider expanding, restarting or starting nuclear weapons programs. This is the last day for this entry. 9. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the condition is more serious than what the International Atomic Energy Agency is reporting. 10. Despite the formal request for aid, we maintain the risk that Russia will recognize the breakaway Moldovan Republic of Transnistria or declare it intends to annex the region is low. We begin today's war report in the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO, of Kharkiv Oblast. After two days of more intense attacks, positional fighting returned to the areas north and west of Sinkivka. 
Russian forces attempted a platoon-sized assault in the direction of Tabaevka, which was repulsed. Russian forces bombed Veliky Burluk for the second time in a week. The railroad station was hit, killing a pensioner and a six-year-old girl who bled to death due to traumatic amputation. Her mother is hospitalized in serious condition. Kupiansk was shelled by Grad rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, also known as MLRS, striking a church, a cafe and 12 private homes. Two were killed and six wounded, including a priest. In the Kremenayo of Luhansk oblast, Russian attacks east of Terny and Yampolivka were repulsed. Russian mercenary Melblogovo Gonzo reported fighting restarted south of Dibrova. At the Lysychanskoyo, fighting reportedly restarted near Bilogorivka. Let's talk about the Donbass, starting in northeast Donetsk oblast. In the Bakhmutyo, Ukrainian forces were able to stabilize their defensive lines, at least temporarily. Northwest of Bakhmut, Russian sources reported fighting restarted near Bogdanivka, but at a lower intensity. Southwest of Bakhmut, heavy fighting continued northeast and on the eastern edge of Ivanivska. Russian commanders are moving up reserve forces, which caused the intensity of fighting to drop off. In the Klishivka area, positional fighting continued north and northwest of Klishivka. In southwest Donetsk oblast, Ukrainian forces continued to struggle to stabilize new defensive lines in the Avdivka area due to ammunition shortages and unseasonably dry weather. Russian advances do appear to be slowing, but they continue along a broad front. NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS, highlighted the intensity of Russian artillery and airstrikes, clearly showing where the line of conflict is. A Ukrainian drone took a picture showing the spreading brush fires in the areas of Orlivka, caused by the intensity of the Russian attacks. Our situation report includes the satellite intelligence from NASA and the picture that supports the data. You can find out how to become a subscriber in the podcast description. Russian forces made marginal gains to the eastern edge of Berdeche and advanced south of the village. Russian sources prematurely claimed Orlivka had been captured, publishing a picture of the sign for the library and administrative building lying on the ground. Both semi-reliable Russian and reliable Ukrainian sources report intense fighting for control of the settlement continued. Another video that our team geolocated showed a Ukrainian tank destroying a Russian infantry fighting vehicle, also known as an IFV, on the T-542 highway east to the settlement. Ukraine also shared a video showing a squad of Russian soldiers eliminated by a first-person view one-way drone that used an airburst fragmentation warhead. This is the first time our team has seen this type of warhead employed by a one-way drone and the attack was very effective. We link to all the videos and pictures I just mentioned in the situation report. The situation continues to be difficult in Tonenke. Russian forces advanced south of the settlement and are now attacking from three sides. The map was adjusted. The spokesperson for the Tavria Operational Strategic Group, Captain Dmitro Lichovy, said that Russian forces are entering areas where the terrain is becoming unfavorable for continued rapid advances. Quote, the terrain itself should contribute to the defense there. There is a cascade of reservoirs, and that was the priority. So, the units of the armed forces of Ukraine in the Avdivka district continue to conduct a defensive operation. Unquote. 
Southwest of occupied Avdiivka, fighting continued in the eastern part of Pervomaiske and near Nevelske, with no change in the situation. NASA firms suggested that Nevelske was under intense bombardment, with brush fires burning along the known line of conflict east of the village. On February the 28th in Pokrovsk, Russian missiles hit one of the buildings of the Donetsk National Technical University and a primary school, destroying both. The post office, a city administrative building and ten apartment buildings were also damaged. In the Marienka AO, another Russian attempt to advance on Krasnohorivka from the south failed. From an intelligence standpoint, this is one of the best-documented battles in months. NASA firms clearly showed the area of fighting on the southern edge of the settlement. A Russian armored column, supported by at least two companies of light infantry, advanced on Helohichna Street and through the fields to the west. The attack was well-coordinated, with the Russian 1st Army Corps 5th Brigade leading the attack. Troops entered the southern edge of the settlement and occupied a group of homes, while supported by tanks and IFVs. The People's Militia of the Donetsk People's Republic Telegram Channel, which we haven't referenced in a long time, declared great victory. Quote, the brigade's tankers provided fire support and the transfer of troops through enemy minefields. Thanks to precise and well-coordinated work, the Russian force successfully landed at the given lines and was able to gain a foothold. The assault groups were able to expand the zone of control and develop an offensive deeper into the populated area. Unquote. The video they attached to the post to support the claim was a montage of attacks throughout Donetsk and recorded at different times, but it did show some of the fighting near Krasnohorivka. The Ukrainian 3rd Assault Brigade and the 46th Air Mobile Brigade are defending the region, with the 3rd leading the defense. The unit reported that Russian forces suffered approximately 100 casualties, and after an expanded period of house-to-house -house fighting, the settlement was secured. Quote, the Russians refused to surrender and were liquidated in the houses they occupied. As for now, Krasnohorivka is under the control of Ukrainian troops. Unquote. The Ukrainian 46th Brigade had a more sober assessment. Quote, Tactical advances in the south of the city. Right now, they are getting rebuffed. Tough battles are going on. The main forces did not enter. This is the official start of the assault on the city by infantry and equipment. Unquote. Moving to assessment. It has become rare to have a battle documented by satellite intelligence, multiple pictures and videos, and open-source reports from both combatants in near real time. Both combatants executed well, but the evidence shows the Russian attack failed. The so-called Donetsk People's Republic was so close to publishing clever information warfare in their description of events, but, as usual, took it too far. An additional statement they made, quote, Thanks to precise and well-coordinated work, the Russian landing force successfully landed at the given lines and was able to gain a foothold on the outskirts of the populated area, is factually accurate. Russian forces occupied the mineshaft complex south of Krasnohorivka on February the 27th. But the claim that the Russian 5th Brigade is now in Krasnohorivka is not. The false reports aren't meant for public consumption. They are the field reports delivered to the Russian general staff. Moscow will now make command decisions using bad information, which will result in the wrong tactics being applied. Keep listening. 
today's podcast has a great example of this exact problem. Fighting restarted near Georgievka, and Russian forces moved up at Tosvane Sonsepok MLRS into the area, striking the settlement. The Tosvane has a range of under 10 kilometers and is a high-value target for Ukrainian drone operators. The Russian VKS, that's the aerospace forces, bombed Kurahove with Feb 1500 UMPK glide bombs, targeting the Detec thermal power plant. The bombs appeared to land in the distribution switchyard north of the plant, and it is reported the facility is severely damaged. Near occupied Olenivka, two rockets fired by HIMARS struck a formation of Marines with the 155th Naval Infantry Brigade. According to multiple Russian sources, 18 soldiers, including the deputy brigade commander, were killed. Colonel Mikhail Gutkov, brigade commander, was reportedly wounded. Russian telegram channel military informant wrote, quote, Another information, another award ceremony, another Heimer strike with Shrapnel. These are no longer isolated mistakes. This is a clinical picture. Former private military company Wagner Group Mercenary 13 was more direct, quote, For the fourth f- time this year. Unteachable cretins and idiots. In the Vuhledaryo, fighting continued on the outskirts of Novomikhailivka, with no change in the situation. For the west, in the Staromlinivkaeyo, the general staff of the forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, reported a Russian attack south of Urozhaina was repulsed. This is likely the same action I told you about yesterday. A video from January the 24th was released and geolocated, showing a Russian advance southeast of Rivnopil. Ukrainian forces reportedly withdrew from six positions during the attack. This is further north than we had previously assessed the line of conflict. We've adjusted the map based on the improved intelligence. Wargonzo reported fighting on the Donetsk-Zaporizhia oblast's administrative border in the area of Priyutne. There were no claims of changes in territorial control. In Zaporizhia oblast, notable fighting ended in the Hulepole Ayo. In the Urikhevayo, Wargonzo reported fighting in the area of Verbove, and fighting continued south and west of Robotene. Multiple videos showed that the first echelon of the Surovikin line south of the settlement is a no-man's land, littered with destroyed Russian armor. Ukrainian forces destroyed a BMP-3 IFV in approximately the same area. In the Khersonayo, Russian Melbloga to Majors, which has repeatedly said since February the 20th that Russia was in a mop-up operation, wrote that a large number of Ukrainian forces were in Dachi, near the Antonivsky Bridge. Quote, Comrades and very high commanders give more heavy stuff to these f- Dachas. In Krynke, Russia launched three unsuccessful attacks on the settlement. The spokesperson for Operational Command South, Captain Natalia Humenyuk, noted a shift in Russian tactics. Quote, Meet assaults near Krynke in the Kherson region. The occupiers do not even use the support of armored vehicles. Unquote. She added that the situation was complicated. Moving to assessment. Two majors rant comes the day after I shared the report from Russian mercenary mail blogger Romanov Light. The mail blogger said that the February the 20th false statements from Russian Minister of Defense Sergei Shaigu have caused the situation to degrade, and this connects with my early assessment of Krasnohorivka. 
The lack of Russian artillery and air support on the left banks of the Dnipro and Konka rivers is directly due to the Kremlin believing Ukraine forces were pushed out of Krynke. This is likely one of the reasons that Russian attacks no longer receive armor support. Russian field commanders can't justify the requests or explain the losses, so they use fresh contact soldiers, which can be explained away as missing in action. In occupied Shelburda, the Ukrainian air force struck a Russian troop concentration near the village using JDM glide bombs. In occupied Holopristan, the Russian Ministry of Internal Affairs headquarters was destroyed by rockets fired by HIMARS. The police station was destroyed last year, and the ministry relocated into a three-story boarding house. I guess they'll have to relocate again. As quote from the Ukrainian 73rd Naval Infantry Special Operation Forces Detachment was killed on the Tendra Spit during a failed operation. Graphic pictures showed an abandoned rigid inflatable boat with approximately eight bodies in it. The Ukrainian SSO released a statement confirming the losses. Quote, Soldiers of the 73rd Naval Special Operations Center died heroically during a combat mission in a clash with Russian invaders. Ensuring the departure of the main forces of the group after the completion of a special task, the soldiers accepted their last battle, remaining in the formation forever. Unquote. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. Ukraine and Poland held negotiations about the border crisis. Prime Minister of Poland Donald Tusk said the border could be fully closed, but only for a brief period and with the agreement of Ukraine. The Deputy Minister of Economy of Ukraine, Taras Kachka, denied the option was discussed. The Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dmytro Kuleba, was more forceful when speaking to the United States media agency Voice of America. Quote, no one is talking about Russian grain entering the European market. For some reason, no one fights with grain from other continents. They started a topic that Ukraine is to blame for everything. We will not be scapegoats who will tolerate these attacks. If we have to act harshly, then we will. And let them not be offended that we showed character. We will continue to defend our economic interests fiercely. Unquote. The Lublin police confirmed that they took, quote, measures to establish the identity of individuals near the Belarus-Poland border, referencing Ukrainska Pravda journalist Mikhail Otkach and his camera operator. The admission comes after the Podlaski Voivodeship Police's statement, which said that they, quote, did not detain a journalist from Ukraine, unquote, and called the initial reports fake. The international organization Reporters Without Borders denounced the incident, quote, two journalists from the Ukrainian media outlet Ukrainska Pravda were detained for a few hours yesterday by the Polish police while reporting near the Belarusian border. Their equipment was searched and seized for a few hours. RSF condemns the obstruction of their work. Unquote. 
After Polish police admitted the incident, Ukrainska Pravda issued a lengthy statement, adding that the journalists weren't released until there was intervention by the staff of the embassy and consulate of Ukraine in Poland. The news agency said there was no way to, quote, justify the illegal detention and search of our colleagues, unquote, adding that legal action was being taken. The editors vowed that the story about the transit of goods between Poland and Belarus will still be published. Moving on to Moldova. On Wednesday, the illegitimate Supreme Council of Transnistria requested the Russian Federal Council to, quote, implement measures to protect Transnistria in the face of increasing pressure from Moldova, unquote. The measure stopped short of asking for annexation or military intervention. On January 1, Moldova implemented customs duties on goods moving into and out of Transnistria while enforcing EU transit requirements. In our assessment, this was likely used as a casus belli to start a hybrid warfare operation backed by the Kremlin. Two years ago, shortly after Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine, Kyiv sealed its border, ending most transit routes for goods. The Supreme Council also asked for intervention from the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, which Russia officially withdrew from last week. In addition, the statement appealed to the Commonwealth of Independent States, the United Nations, the European Union Parliament and the International Committee of the Red Cross to, quote, influence the leadership of Moldova to return to an adequate dialogue and stop violating the rights and freedoms of the residents of Transnistria, unquote. The Russian State Duma said they would hold consultations with President Vladimir Putin and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Speaking with Interfax, the first vice president of the State Duma's International Affairs Committee, Alexei Chepa, said the appeal was, quote, primarily talking about economic assistance, and added that this was not about military intervention. Yes, because we know how peaceful Russia is. All they want is peace. Peace, peace. A little piece of Georgia, a little piece of Moldova, a piece of Ukraine, a piece of Poland, a piece of Estonia. Moldovan government spokesman Daniel Voda dismissed the declaration, calling it information warfare. Quote, we do not see the danger of destabilization. We are watching very closely and reiterate that this region also wants peace and security. Unquote. President Maya Sandu met with the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, during a summit being held in Tirana, Albania. Zelensky posted on Twitter, also known as X, that the pair discussed, quote, Russia's efforts to destabilize the region and effective ways to counter the aggressor state's malign influence, unquote. Here is my theater-wide update. Last year, during a visit to the Russian Design Bureau of Mechanical Engineering, Minister of Defense Shegu examined the Arena-M anti-drone system for armored vehicles. During the staged visit, Shegu demanded the factory speed up production. The first video of a Russian tank equipped with Arena-M was shared by Ukraine, right before an FPV one-way drone obliterated it. I guess Russia will call it a big success, since the exploding tank technically destroyed the drone. The Financial Times reviewed 29 leaked Kremlin documents from 2008 
2014, which outlined Moscow's nuclear doctrine. The report alleges that the threshold for the use of nuclear weapons is far lower than publicly stated. The Kremlin did not outright deny the documents exist, saying, quote, We strongly doubt their authenticity. Experts reviewing the information did not believe there were any new revelations on Russian nuclear theory, beyond some of the possible triggers to authorize their use were lower than expected. One document outlined how Moscow views its tactical nuclear arsenal as a battlefield hammer looking for a solution. Quote, the Russian military will be able to use tactical nuclear weapons for a wide range of purposes, including deterring states from using aggression or escalating military conflicts, stopping aggression, preventing Russian forces from losing battles or territory, to increase effectiveness of Russian fleet, in fact, anytime, anywhere and under any pretext. Unquote. The leak shows that Russia is already using its nuclear doctrine. The Kremlin called it a, quote, fear strategy, where even the threat of use would be used to shock an adversary into ending a conflict on Moscow's terms. Sound familiar? Russia has the largest arsenal of tactical nuclear warheads and bombs in the world, nuclear devices with a yield under 100 kilotons. Most are below 40 kilotons, and some are smaller than the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Jack Watling, a senior research fellow for land warfare at the Royal United Services Institute, speaking to the Financial Times, said he believes the threshold to use nuclear weapons against Ukraine is higher because Putin believes it would lead to escalation. The European Commissioner for Internal Market Thierry Breton called for European nations to move closer to a war economy. This also means that the European defense industry must take more risks, with our support making them more visible. Ukraine received $760 million from Japan and Norway in macrofinancial aid. The funds will support pension payments and payroll for teachers and emergency services. Belgium has joined the coalition to fund a Czech Republic initiative to purchase 800,000 artillery shells for Ukraine, committing to $118 million. The Prime Minister of Belgium, Alexander de Croo, added that additional ammunition would arrive in the coming weeks. Finnish officials said that Ukraine could use weapons provided by the country on military targets within Russia. There were reports that the Pentagon is considering using the remainder of the 2023 Presidential Drawdown Authority, $4.2 billion, to send weapons and ammunition to Ukraine, even though Congress has not allocated replacement funds. President Joe Biden is authorized to pull from existing inventory using the PDA, but there has been massive resistance by the National Security Council and within the Department of Defense. There was no progress on passing aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan or Palestinian refugees in the U.S. House of Representatives. Congress does appear poised to pass another continuing resolution to prevent a partial government shutdown on March the 1st. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. 
You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News.